Thank you for listening to the Moral Revolution Podcast. In this session, Jason Valatin will be sharing a message entitled, Your Head and Your Heart. How many of you in here are like, if you didn't read the Bible, this would not be an official message? It's okay to raise your hand on that one. That's all right. Normally, I don't cater to you guys, but tonight I'm going to, just for a little bit. And in case you're wondering, this is not Kool-Aid, okay? I didn't revert back to like sixth grade, and I just pounded some Kool-Aid up here. This is vitamin C. Mm. I'm trying to get on the commercial. All right, I'm turning to Acts chapter 4. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it out loud, and you can just believe me or you cannot. And um, verse 32, um, I'm going to talk to you guys today about your head and your heart. So everybody say, my head and my heart. All right. There's about, I don't know, 18 inches in between your head and your heart, depending on how tall you are. So we're going to talk about that space and how to connect those two and the importance of it. Um, So here we go. I'm starting halfway through, um, actually three, three quarters away through chapter four. And, um, there's, uh, there's momentum building, um, with the apostles and there's a, uh, there's a shift that's happening in, within the apostles and the people that they're ministering to. And, and so I'm not going to explain it all. If you're curious, you can go back and look at it, but It says, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say uh, any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave, uh, gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or households or houses sold them and brought them the proceeds, the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed each sorry, they distributed to each as anyone need. Um, that's, that's all I'm going to read. If you, if you go on and read, you actually see the fruit of that is this amazing revival that broke out. You have the apostles uh, being brought or leading people into this place where nobody lacks anything. They don't lack anything because everyone was of one heart. They didn't count their possessions as their own, but they actually said, the things that I own are, are yours, and things that you own are mine, and I'm going to sell what I have if you have need, and you're going to sell what you have for me. It was this, it was this thing going on, and out of that, it created this, uh, this catalyst for revival to break out. Are you guys with me so far? Uh, this is not deep yet. It's not even going to get deep. Um, which, is, which is really amazing, this idea that generosity is a catalyst to revival breaking out in the way that people don't lack anything. I, talk about revival. I mean, to me, like that, that's a great definition of revival. People don't lack anything. I mean, there's a physical manifestation. It's not just we're going higher in the spirit. It's like, no, I have a house and I didn't have a house. That's revival. People were getting saved by the multitudes. Why? Because that's attractive. Well, I actually think that there's a revival coming 
that looks like I don't withhold my heart from you and you don't withhold your heart from me. And you don't withhold your intellect from me and I don't withhold my intellect from you. The things that God's given me, I'm going to give to you and the things that that you've got, got, you're going to give to me. And therefore, we're going to set off. It's going to be a catalyst to a revival where we don't lack anything emotionally. He's stretching it. I am. I'm okay with that. I actually think that generosity works. I think that the principle of generosity, and not only that, but of stewardship is a catalyst for wholeness in the body of Christ and in the world. And so we're going to talk about that today. I'm really interested in people giving of themselves, uh, of people giving of their possessions so that someone isn't in need. But I think the body of Christ has gone, uh, has had a huge lack of giving of themselves emotionally and mentally so that the, the world around them which the body, when I say the body of Christ, I'm not just talking about the pastor, I'm talking about the people in the seats. So that the people around them are emotionally whole. How many of you know that most people think that it's the pastor's job to make everyone okay? In most churches, maybe not in this church, but the, pa- the pastor carries so much responsibility to make sure that Susie was met at the hospital and Billy was met when this happened and Joe was met over here and this person's going through a crisis and how many of you know that's your job? Everybody say that's my job. job. And the people that are sitting next to you, if their heart isn't known and understood, how many know they're in pain? Or if they don't have the intellect that teaches them how to get out of a cycle that they're in, They don't actually know the steps. See, that's what your intellect is for. It helps you make decisions. Do you understand that? If they don't know how to get out of that, they're also in pain. And it's not the pastor's job necessarily to get them out of it. It's our job. Are you guys with me? Um, One of my jobs in the school ministry... um, that I've just done for years, uh, even before that, since I was a young, young boy, um, believe it or not, I've been meeting one-on-one with people, which some people call it a counseling appointment. I don't have a license, never read a counseling book, so I'm not allowed to call it that. Um, but whatever you want, helping people help themselves and get over their stuff. Um, one thing that I've found is that there's this really huge lack of what's going on inside of me. What's, going, what's actually going on inside of me. Um, most of the time, when I sit down with somebody and who has an anger issue or who has um, just even a normal issue of life, and I start talking about their heart, they, when we get down to the depths of their heart, what they actually really need in order to be okay in life, and not just to be okay, but to actually flourish in life, they don't actually know. And let me tell you what happens is I actually think that we don't do intimacy on the fullest level of intimacy because we don't know ourselves. See, if you don't know yourself all the way, if you don't know what you like as a person, what sets you off, what makes you feel good, 
what your needs are, what your boundaries are, um, uh, you know, all, kind of, all, all those aspects of a person. If you don't know who you are personally for yourself, you have no way of giving that to somebody else, do you? No, you don't. Um, I'll just tell you, maybe you didn't know, my love language is actually words of affirmation when I'm preaching. So, oh, that was really good. Yeah, that's great. You're probably thinking, thanks. Thanks. I can see right through that one. I'll give that to you, but I just saw right through that. If you actually don't know specific things about yourself, like I really hate to be um, put inside of a box where I feel trapped. It's actually a thing that I had to get counseled out of me was if I feel like I'm trapped, I will go crazy and do whatever it takes to not feel trapped to the point of that's way overboard. Because when I was young, that happened several times where I felt powerless is actually the thing. And so if I don't know that about myself, then I have no way of going, hey, Ben, you're making me feel powerless right now, and this is hurting our relationship. Do you see how that's working? Do you see how this is working? I'm going to build a bridge here. So I found that most people, because they haven't actually learned how to access their heart and, and go, hey, heart, what's going on inside of you? They haven't actually been able to take care of themselves. And when you don't know how to take care of yourself, the highest level of intimacy that you can do is pretty shallow. Would you agree with me? You're trying to give yourself to somebody, but you really don't know what you are or what you need or what makes you tick. It's all just pretty surfacey stuff. Well, I had a really fun day shooting today. Oh, me too. I had a fun day shooting today. I'm really upset. I have no idea why I'm upset. After we got done shooting, you said this. I'm not sure why that upset me. I'm not sure uh, why I don't feel connected to you. I'm not sure how, what makes me feel connected to you. I'm not sure... And you may not think like this is a church issue. I actually see this as a huge church issue. I see this as a catalyst to producing the most healthy people in the world that we can. With starting with you. Did you know that your body will talk to you? Some of you are going, he's going into the new age. (laughs) Yes, I am. I'm going forward. (laughs) your body will talk to you. If you don't believe me, how many of you ate dinner tonight? Did your body talk to you? What did it say? I'm hungry. I don't want that. I do want that. Is your body telling you that? How many of you heard of uh, scientific studies where people are found gravitating towards a certain food because they're actually lacking that and they didn't even know it consciously. Anybody in here ever heard of those? I, I haven't taken the time to pull it up, but I've, I've read those before. But your body actually knows what it needs and will talk to you if you learn how to listen. Now, Christians would say, which I agree, I'm not saying I disagree, they would say, that's the Holy Spirit inside of you telling you what you need because he lives inside of you. That's fine. If you want to categorize it in that so it doesn't feel so new agey, categorize it as that. For me, I call it my heart. But the thing is, 
is I have to realize that there's this thing 18 inches away from my brain that has a voice. It has a voice. And because my brain is the thing that I use to talk, my brain is e- easily overpowers my heart. You're wondering, what's the difference between your brain and your heart? Okay, your intellect is really awesome at getting things done. Your intellect is really awesome at making your life functional. Your heart is really awesome at making your life fulfilling. If you live just from your heart, you're out of control, aren't you? Have you seen someone who lives just from their heart? They just do whatever's good. They eat themselves to death. They drive 100 miles an hour. They sleep with whoever they want to. I mean, they're just, whoa, crazy. Have you ever seen someone that's just locked up in their brain? They're like a machine. Life is getting done. When you partner those two things together, the heart and the brain, what do you actually get? You actually get a life that's happening and in fulfillment. Why? Because I'm now able to go, this is what I need, and this is what needs to happen in order for it to get done. That was good. Maybe you guys already have this down. I don't know. You might have it down. Um, I'll give you an example. Your heart would say, I want to feel loved, but I've been so abused in the past that it's too painful to risk. Your intellect would come in and say, I'm going to teach you all these tools, heart, so that when you talk to an adult who hurt you before, you will be protected. See, the intellect is actually helping the heart get what it, what it really needs. What's it really need? It really needs love, doesn't it? I really want to feel loved, but I'm scared. And the brain comes in and says, I'm going to help you overcome your fear. Together, we are going to get our needs met as a body. If you just have the intellect and you don't have the heart, uh, if you don't listen to your heart, then your heart's in pain and your brain says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. We won't talk to that person. We'll live isolated, and heart, you can just stay there. Shut down, not feeling anything. The first time I ever met somebody who was completely shut down with their emotions and didn't feel anything was about four years ago. This kid was 19 years old. He had been shut down since he was five years old. Something happened when he was five years old, and he actually decided that he wasn't going to feel anymore. He was a dead man walking, which I've talked about a hundred times. Sorry if you've heard it before. But he actually decided that the only people who aren't hurt are people who are dead or people who are in heaven. So therefore, since he wasn't in heaven and he wasn't going to kill himself, he shut off his emotions to the point where if you went to beat him up on the street, he wouldn't protect himself. Because people that protect themselves have something to lose. And if you have something to lose, then you can be hurt. See, what he didn't have is he didn't have his brain going, hey, little five-year-old that's trapped inside of there, 
Okay, here's another new agey scary thought that's not new age. Little five-year-old, because that's really, that's the age that he matured to. He, well, now he's 19, and he's still acting like a five-year-old. I'm going to protect you. You're not five anymore. Let's partner together and overcome this fear. How much intimacy could that kid do? About a ballpark away. What are you guys doing over there? Awesome. Don't come over here. I was just watching. I was just watching you. I like to watch baseball on TV. I don't want to go to the game. There's people there. Are you catching my drift? Um, the amazing thing is that God has given us like this divine combination. He's given us the mind of Christ and he's given us the Holy Spirit. Both which live inside of you, are inside of you. If you need scripture verses for that, just go Google it really quick. Okay, you can do it on your phone while I'm talking, I don't even care. If you don't believe me, you've been given the mind of Christ if you're saved, which hopefully you are, which makes you a new creation, and you've been given the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? He's your teacher. What's the mind of Christ? Divine wisdom. So you've been given the ability to navigate through this life, to partner both worlds together to go, this is a whole complete person. I love it because you, uh, you can see how Jesus operated, which Jesus is our perfect model. And when you watch Jesus operating, you see two things happening. You don't just see a guy who's wearing himself out for three years, do you, of his ministry. You don't. You see a guy who's, going, who's been mandated by God to take these three years and minister. So he starts when God goes, now's the time. So what is he already doing? Boundaries. I only do what I see the Father doing. And sometimes I, make, I stretch out a little bit. Once in a while. On a good day when I'm feeling really good. Right? The first miracle, his mom. Okay, there's like God and then his mom. So for his mom, he'll do it too. <laughs> but you, you, have this, you have this really divine order of Jesus just living out of what's good for me. I'm going to sneak away because I've been ministering and I'm going to go pray. I'm going to be by myself and I'm going to go pray, right? He's doing that. What happened, anybody re read... Uh, God's generals before? What happened when those men got all that power? The majority of those men burned themselves out, didn't they? Can I tell you, there's, it's the distance between the head and the heart. It's the idea that I'm the only one that can do this. It's the disconnection between God and man. It's the disconnection between heart. Are you actually okay with this? And I'm going to teach, I'm actually going to give you a practical tool to learn how to talk to yourself. <laughs> but you have people, you have the men, which, listen, I'm not saying I'm greater than them at all. I have so much respect for those men. I don't know what I would do if I was in their shoes. I'm just saying, in hindsight, I get to be a Monday quarterback and go, okay, this is what was going on. 
Here's part of what's going on. You have a man sleeping at the pulpit. Nobody pick that man up and go, you're way too valuable to burn yourself out. We need you for a really long time. How many of you know his body was screaming at him and he wasn't listening? There's lots of us that are walking around and your heart is screaming at you and you're not listening. I know it because it happened to me. Uh, Last year, I can't remember when it started, but it started in a day. Um, I went from being able to use my hands to open a bottle to not not even being able to open a bottle. Like I literally couldn't open a bottle. Do you remember that? I'd have to go, hey Ben, can you open that? And then he'd open the bottle, crack it, and give it back to me. I literally could not open a bottle. What had happened? Well, for the four months before that, I thought I had chronic fatigue. I was doing tons of counseling. I'd gone through a divorce, which if that raises your anxiety, you can get the tape or the MP3 or whatever CD you buy the book um, and read up on that because I realized that that is an issue. So I'd gone through a divorce. I'm raising three kids. I'm overseeing a men's sexual purity group with another guy. I'm counseling like 20 appointments in four days, plus doing normal job. I'm on my dad's board. I'm writing a book. How many, and I'm working out six days a week. How many know my body was screaming at me? And it kept saying, you have chronic fatigue, like you're tired. And I just went, I'm tired, I just need to push through this. Because that's what men in my family do, they just push through. We're heroes. We just push through that. Until one day my body said, you're an idiot and a moron. You have no idea how to take care of me. You actually love people more than you love yourself. And I'm done. I'm all done. So for a whole entire year, I couldn't use my hands. Which forced me to Cancel the men's purity group for me. It still goes on, but I backed out of that. I backed out of, I would sleep about 15 hours a day. I'd come in, I'd do one appointment. I'd go home, I'd sleep. I'd come back to work, do an appointment, <clears throat> sleep on my couch till my day was done, and then I'd go home all last year. And you can ask my coworkers. Like, that's the honest truth. First time I met my, uh, she was my girlfriend then, She's my wife now. Thank God for wives. Oh my gosh. I got married eight months ago, seven and a half months ago. Um, I know. I wish I, I should have had a picture. That was dumb. Um, the first time I met her parents, I couldn't carry my luggage from the car to inside the house. How many of you know, like, okay, coming from a firefighting background, and my grandpa was a farmer, and I fall trees for fun, and I like to shoot things, and watch MMA, and I can't carry my little bag up to my room. That's pretty humbling. That's real humbling. And her dad's like, he's got yard work to do, which normally I'm like a beast at yard work. I like yard work. I'm one of those guys that like, I can do yard work. I'm sitting down watching him dig a ditch, talking to him, because I literally can't use my hands. You know, like the anxiety that you feel in your body is your body trying to tell you something and you not listening. Yes, there is spiritual attack. Get the Spirit Wars book if you want. There's a little promo for it. 
There is that. But I think most of the anxiety that we have in life comes from us not knowing how to bridge the gap between what God wants us to do and what's okay for us. Do you understand that? I mean, I didn't see Jesus walking around with a whole bunch of anxiety. Oh my gosh, they're going to try and come kill me. Like he already knew it. Why? Because this thing's connecting with God. And he doesn't have a whole bunch of anxiety that he's going to get overwhelmed by the crowd. Is, does he? Because he's like, I have really good boundaries. I'm going to go be by myself. And if you want to follow me, like, there's not going to be any food for you. I'm not multiplying food for other people today. I'm only multiplying food for myself. A thousand crickets, please. I don't know what he ate. I actually, um, Luke 6 says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. It doesn't say evil men speak from their brains. Which you could change that word speak to action. Like how many know what you're going to say like you're going to do? What it's really saying there is if you don't know what's going on in your heart, you're in trouble. And if you don't know what's going, if you're just, if you don't, if you're all in your heart and you don't know what's going on in your head, you're also in trouble. Because you have no idea how to get your needs met. Am I boring, you guys? I am. I actually think that, do you remember when David slept with Bathsheba? I actually think that this was what was going on with David. There's a whole bunch of opinions. This is Jason Valentin's opinion. Jason Valentin's opinion is David didn't need another wife to sleep with. How many of you know he had like some astronomical number of concubines that he could have slept with? I'm just being really honest. Is that true? Okay, so it wasn't like, hey, I'm super horny right now. I'm going to go sleep with her. And that just doesn't even make sense. Do you know that the, per- the lady that he slept with was his best friend, his wife, and his mighty man? And also his father was the man's, sorry, his best friend's dad was also a mighty man too? So it wasn't like just this random guy's wife. Do you understand that? David actually had needs that were going on in his heart and had disobeyed something that God had said, those two things going on created this outcome. If you read, if you read I think it's in Samuel, if you read that, that chapter, it says, in the time when kings go to war, David was at home. What did God tell David to do? He, set, he appointed a time when kings go to war, didn't he? Where's David? He's at home. I think David never stopped to figure out why did I not go to war. That was somewhere in here, wasn't it? I don't think it was somewhere in here. I think it was somewhere in here. Because logically, a man after God's own heart, if you said, do you want to be a murderer and an adulterer and 
someone who doesn't take care of women, David would go, no, that's not me. You could even see it when the prophet came to him and explained to him, hey, someone, someone who had a thousand sheep took a sheep from a guy who only had a couple and threw a party and he stole his sheep and he killed it and he sacrificed it and David said, kill that man. Logically, David's going, that's not right, that's unfair, didn't even realize he's talking about himself. He had something going on in his heart. Are you guys getting this? You pretty much have figured out right now I have one message at one point and I'm just driving it home. I think um, as the body of Christ, we've been really, really eager to do things like heal the sick and, and things like that, which I, I don't discredit at all. I think those are amazing, and I actually think that it's super vital if you just have words and you're connected to your head and your heart, but you don't have that, then you, you're screwed up too. I mean, as far as the body of Christ goes, you're really not living that. But I think the flip side of that is we, it's so easy to hide in that world and not actually go, emotionally, I'm a really whole person. I know what's going on in my heart. I actually know how to get into your heart and actually know how to get into your mind and actually know how to give you my mind and actually know how to give you my heart. I don't think we're very good at that. And, um, and so before we go and do like what God called us to do or as we're doing that, which your whole goal on this earth is to reconcile the world back to Christ like Christ reconciled you back to him. Do you know that that's your whole goal? It doesn't matter what you do, like that's your whole entire goal. So if you're going to do that, there's a couple things that you need to do. You need to start asking yourself, um, how do I access my heart? How do I access my heart? Okay, close your eyes. Even if you're cool. <laughs> All I want you to do is just pay attention to yourself. And just say it out loud. Heart, am I working too much? Now it's only 18 inches away from your brain, so how many of you heard yes? Raise your hand. How many of you heard no? How many of you didn't hear anything? Okay, if you didn't hear anything, I want you to say, heart, why didn't you talk to me? This isn't embarrassing. I'm just helping you learn. It's fine. Okay, raise your hand if you heard something that time and you didn't hear it before. He told you why you, you didn't hear something. Yeah. I was in... I was in a um, sozo with a particular person, I won't say the name, and this was during my hands time, and I had no idea what was going on with me, and this person said, listen, this is going to sound really crazy, but I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to ask yourself something. I'm like, all right. So I closed my eyes, and um, it was a lady. She goes, I want you to say, heart, is there something that you're mad at me for? And I'm like, heart, is there something you're mad at me for? Right away, yes. I'm like, whoa, okay, whoa. I'm listening, whoa. You guys want to do another one? 
Close your eyes. Heart, do you trust me? Do you trust me to take care of you? Okay, how many of you heard no? Say heart, what do you need in order to trust me? How many of you got an answer? Isn't that fun? Isn't that amazing? It actually really works. Now you can say the Holy Spirit's telling you, I don't care, that's awesome. I think it is the Holy Spirit. I actually think the Holy Spirit, you know, when you die, it's just a shell. So yes, the Holy Spirit's your heart, it's whatever, whatever you want to call it, He's letting you know what you need. Do you know how I live my life now? I was, the other day, I was, I did like three or four counseling appointments back to back, which I've decided that two is my maximum now, just because I protect myself with boundaries so I don't get overwhelmed. And a coworker of mine texted me, and I'm actually responsible for her, and she said, hey, can you meet with me? I have a question. It would just take five minutes. Um, I have a question about a student. So before I ran out of my office, I just finished the appointment. I said, self, are you okay with that? And my body said, I'm really tired. I'm done for the day. Let her know that I'll be glad to talk tomorrow. And I was like, okay. I ran downstairs, met her in Hebrews, said, hey, listen. Um, actually, my body just said it's really tired. It's done for the day. And it's given all it can give. <laughs> Do you know what she did? She went, that's awesome. Now, she's able to love me now, isn't she? I actually gave her a way to love me, and I loved me. I actually proved to myself that I will take care of of it, and that it doesn't have to fend for itself by shutting down. If you don't protect your heart, it will shut down. So if your heart's not talking to you, it's because it doesn't trust you. I had to do a lot of things to rebuild trust even within myself. Probably not the message you thought you were going to hear on Friday night, huh? Heart, do you? Um, Before I make appointments, before I go and do major things, I actually go, are you okay with this? Are you all right with this? Do you need something? Is there something you want to say? I just got hurt and I'm going, okay, I just got hurt. You need to have a voice. How many of you know because you were afraid of conflict and you didn't say something, you told your heart that fear was more important than than resolution. Therefore, it doesn't trust you. There's all kinds of things that we do that say, you're not important. You don't have a voice here. When we talk to our little kids, don't we go, what does your heart need, buddy? That's not weird for us to do that, right? As parents, when I lay in bed with my kid, I go, is your heart hurting? I mean, we talk to kids like that, don't we? Maybe you don't. I talk to my kids like that. Buddy, is your heart hurting? Yeah. I don't go, is your brain hurting? (laughs) If it is, take an aspirin. Why? Because the heart actually wants to say something. 
It wants something to happen. It's the part of, your, of yourself that feels. That makes sense? Um, there's so many different reasons why you don't have these things connected. And I, I literally, I couldn't go through them all today because every person's unique and built different. You've had a different past. So maybe it wasn't okay to have feelings in your house. You would know that. Maybe your parents didn't talk to you about their emotions. You would know that. So you learned emotions aren't okay to share. It's not safe. Um, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's um, intellect is something that ritzy people do and I'm not, we're not that. So we just live from our heart and we have fun. Every day is a fun day. It would, I would call it like the hippie mentality. Sorry if you're a hippie. I love hippies. But it's like the free life, free living, free no re- real responsibility. That makes sense? If I could categorize people, I would say that, which I realize isn't totally fair. Not every person's like that, but equally dysfunctional. Okay, it's your job if you realize I really don't have a partnership between my head and my heart to go to somebody probably sitting next to you and go, do you have that working? And if you do, can you tell me what it's like? And can you help me figure out why I don't? And I can tell you we have a huge need for that because they keep coming to my office. (laughs) But here's some really helpful tools. If you violated your heart to the point where it doesn't want to talk to you, you need to repent for that. If you have been too afraid to confront people in love to love yourself, if you've been afraid to set boundaries, you've not loved yourself. If you've been afraid to have needs, you've not loved yourself. You've actually told yourself that you're not valuable. So if a child asks enough and you shut them down enough, eventually they don't ask anymore, do they? They just go inside of themselves. There's this thing, um, this thing called the Bible verse. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Listen, not only do you owe it to yourself and the body of Christ, but you owe it to God to take care of what he's given you, to partner the mind of Christ with the Holy Spirit inside of you and to go, how are we doing? If you've been afraid to confront, I can tell you right now, you, learn, you need to learn communication. If you've been afraid to have needs, you need to learn communication. If you've been afraid to set boundaries, you need to learn communication. If you don't know communication, you need to learn communication. <laughs> we don't set boundaries to keep people out. We set boundaries to keep people in. Boundaries are a way to protect my love for somebody. See, when I tell Ben what I need, I'm not saying stay out. I'm saying this is how I receive love. It's like a door to a house. Do you realize that um, with the exception of a few, almost every door to a house swings in? If it was to keep people out, that would be the least safe way that you can make the door. 
because you can kick that door in. But to make a door swing out would be much safer. It's much harder to pull a door open than to kick it in, isn't it? What is that door made for? It's a boundary that says, when you come to my house, I want you to knock, and then I'm going to let you in. And if you don't, I have this lock on here that keeps people out because most people won't kick a door down. Are you guys getting this analogy? Or do I need to break it down? Ask your heart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, when you understand what you need, when you learn boundaries, when you learn good communication, when you learn good thinking, when you learn unconditional acceptance for yourself, when you learn how to let people love you, then you'll actually learn how to do true intimacy. Did you guys get all that? Did you need me to say that again? Okay. When you understand what you need, See, when I tell you what you need and you meet it, it's a connection, isn't it? And it builds trust. So I have to know what I need in order to build trust with you. If I don't know what I need, then I don't fully know that I don't even trust you. I don't fully know that I don't trust you. That's a weird thought, isn't it? But when I know what I need and I know that you can meet it, I know that I can trust you in that area. Is that true? Okay, when I learn boundaries, okay, if I know what I need, but I'm not sure how to keep someone from running me over, then I'll still keep my distance, won't I? Because I don't know how to protect myself and protect my love and protect our relationship. Simple solution, get the boundaries book, has a pencil line drawn through the middle of it by Dr. Clowden, is that right? There you go. Easy. Um, if I don't know how to communicate. See, I can learn boundaries. And a lot of people look at boundaries like this. My goal is to keep peace. So you stay on that side of the house. I'll stay on this side of the house. And we have peace. What do we do to like South Korea to keep peace? We aim our nukes at them. The goal of our relationship with the world is to draw them in really close, not to aim our harsh firepower at them. What is your harsh firepower? Your communication. Or it's the most amazing tool that you have to draw somebody in. I love you so much. You're so awesome that I can't have you speak to me this way because it really hurts me. I want to listen to you. If you want to change the way you're talking to me and tell me about yourself, how you're feeling, I'll totally listen. If you want to accuse me of all these things and tell me what I'm doing, I'm not going to be able to sit here and listen to that. That really hurts. I feel powerless to help fix that. Just a quick example, right? If I learn good thinking... If you look at the statistics on how many times we have negative thoughts go through our brain in a minute, it's crazy. I mean, we really need to renew our minds. 
So when I think awesome of myself, I oct ass. I just cussed on stage. Therefore, I'm going to drink. Plug your ears, people. When I think really awesome of myself, I act really awesome. When I act really awesome, I'm raising the standard of my life, aren't I? When I raise the standard of my life, I only allow certain types of things to come in, things that say honor, respect, love, trust, because that's who I am. I'm able to do intimacy with people like that in a really safe way. Are you guys getting this? Does it help to break it down? When I learn unconditional acceptance. How many know that there's a whole bunch of perfectionists? Are you a perfectionist? Raise your hand if you are. Let's just be honest here. Okay? I'm not. I'm just kidding. I really am not. You could ask my dad. That kind of ticks him off sometimes. It would probably be easier for him if I was because I forget a whole bunch of things. If you're a perfectionist, it's really easy to get down on yourself when you make a mistake. And not only that, you won't want to make a mistake so you don't take risk. And there's a whole bunch of things that come with not accepting yourself unconditionally. If God accepts us unconditionally, do we have the right to not accept ourselves or somebody else unconditionally? See, what we forget is that God doesn't live in time. Am I way over my time? No. God doesn't live in time. He lives in a timeless zone. So he can actually turn your mistake into uh, not a problem. Can't he? I mean, I've I've prayed for countless people who've actually lost their virginities. And on their honeymoon night, they got married again. On their honeymoon night, their, their hymen was restored. They actually bled. And God, what happened? God went back in time, and he actually made it how it didn't happen. If you struggle with perfectionism, you're very critical of yourself. That's, that's the nature of the beast. Go get the book by Dr. Brenna Brown. It's called The Gift of Imperfection. You're like, is she a Christian? I don't know. Probably she'll get you well. Do you watch TV? Um, Learn how to let him love you. Okay, listen. uh, uh, The hardest person to let somebody love is yourself sometimes. Learn how to let people love you. I was telling um, my son this year, you know when kids find out that they're really good at something? You know what happens? Because they're, they're not totally immature yet. He'd be embarrassed if he was in here, but he's not. He's at home playing Modern Warfare 3, which made me think I'm a bad dad because of that. But there's peace in my household because he's in the garage. <laughs> Meanwhile, we won't go there. My son has this thing, like when he plays basketball, my son is the man. He's awesome. Like he made this half-court shot at like at, at halftime at the buzzer, and he'll like dribble behind his back and through his legs, and 
you know, high score, like things like that. He won MVP this year. And halfway through the year, I had to go, son, you're really awesome. It really sucks when you tell everybody how awesome you are. Why? Because I'm not letting people love me. I'm telling people they should love me. Which is what? It's assuming that people aren't going to love me if I don't tell them to love me. That's a terrible mindset. Let another man praise you. Pastor Bill, there's a whole other side to that where Pastor Bill actually says, hey, let somebody praise you. It's okay. And then when you get home in your prayer closet, like give it to God. Because you don't want to think too highly of yourself. Because that's a pitfall too, isn't it? So son, you're 12 years old. You're really awesome at basketball. If you want to be a leader, quit talking about yourself. Talk about the team. I promise you, people are going to come up to you and go, that was really awesome. I go, when I get done preaching, I don't get off stage and go, did you guys hear that? That was awesome. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, well, stop. Let people love you. But more importantly, like, build that relationship with God. Let God love you to the point where you go, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Not, God, do you want me to brush my teeth today? Uh, You know, hyper-spiritualism is just like, it's just as gross as, like, not, you know, sexual immorality in my mind on some level. I'm sorry, maybe that's too... Maybe I'm verbally processing. But listen, the only people that Jesus got mad at in the Bible were, were the Pharisees, were the super spiritual. It, meanwhile, he's down with the prostitutes, like totally loving on them. So hyper-spiritualism, I don't do anything that God doesn't tell me to do. I'm like, well, he gave you a brain for a reason. What's he want you to do? He wants to have this eye-to-eye connection with him. So that you know it's in his heart, so you already know what to do. That makes sense? Thank you. Um, when those things connect, you will know how to do intimacy. When you're not afraid of yourself, when you take care of your needs, when you love people, when you have the right mindsets, when you think of your way, yourself the way Christ thinks of yourself, when you love yourself unconditionally, when you let people, other people love you, when you serve the people around you, all of a sudden, you're doing real intimacy. If you're wondering why your intimacy is very low in this life, check these areas. Do I, know, do I even know myself? I've had so many kids come and sit in my office, kids, they're adults now, sit in my office and go, you know what, I don't even know my parents. I don't know how my dad grew up. I don't know how this happened. How many are, would identify with that? I'm not saying like, how many heard, at least heard somebody say that? I mean, that's like every third kid in my office. I realize I, I grew up and I don't really even know my parents that well. That's sad. But I believe that when we take care of ourselves the way that God created us to, to take our renewed mind and the Holy Spirit, and to go combine those things together, that we're going to create a catalyst, like what happened in the physical realm when we give things away, that we'll be able to give away the way we think and our heart, and that we'll actually unlock other people's hearts 
and actually give the mind of Christ to other people, and we'll create such healthy environments that the world will be drawn to it. It's something that they don't have. They have heart, and they have mind, but they don't have a renewed mind, and they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Therefore, it's really hard to be fulfilled, isn't it? And that's our job. Our job is to go, here's a renewed mind, and this is how you use your heart. Be reconciled to Christ like he reconciled me to him. You guys got that? Okay. I would do questions and answers, but that's not okay in church because we don't ever do it. Father, thank you for them. God, I just ask that you would bless them. Lord, that you would close the gap between our minds and our hearts. Lord, whatever it is, whether it's I didn't get my needs met as a child, therefore I don't share needs. God, whether it's intellectual people are seen as smarter and they're accepted, so therefore I'm going to be intellectual. God, whatever the gap is, Father, or the hurdle, Lord, I just ask that you would show each person. And Lord, that we would learn how to take care of and nourish our own bodies. Lord, I pray that you'd put it on our hearts that we'd actually be good stewards of nourishing the body that we've been given. And Lord, I just pray for people in this room. There's people in this room that need to go home and actually repent for not taking care of yourself, for putting other needs more important than your heart and more, more important than yourself. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like Jesus, but Jesus said... Love your neighbor as yourself. Not more than yourself. But it starts with you. So Father, I just pray that we would get that concept. Lord, that our heart and our head would be so connected, Lord, that we would know what's going on with you, that we would know what's going on with our heart, that we'd be able to set boundaries, share our needs, explain what we're feeling, and Lord, that we'd be able to take care of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed this session. For more information, please visit our website at www.moralrevolution.com.